Owners near and far, hear ye, hear ye. There's an amazing company that's dedicated to celebrating and encouraging every runner that laces up a pair of running shoes, and it's called the Paper Trails Greeting Company. This company offers something that's hard to replicate in a text message, and that is a physical, innovative, and genuine note of kindness that supports and celebrates every runner. The motto of the company is that every runner belongs, and each card proves that. The cards preach community among all runners, and there's a card for each season of a runner's journey. If you've run a new personal best, there's a card that celebrates that. If you suffered an injury, there's a card that lets you know that someone is thinking of you and that you'll come back even stronger. There's even a card that celebrates your significant running other. For me personally, I never felt like a runner. But then I stumbled across the Paper Trails Greeting Company and it inspired me to pick up running again. And eventually it made me feel like I was a part of the running community. Go on their website, papertrailsgreetingco.com and check out their incredible selection of cards. Use the code LACTICACID in all caps for 15% off your order. They also have inspirational stickers and PDF printouts. So be sure to check those out as well. Then follow them on their social media page on Instagram, Paper Trails Greeting Co., as well on Facebook. And always remember to celebrate every runner and that every runner belongs. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and inks? Welcome to Lactic Acid. I am your host, Dominique Smith. First and foremost, I want to thank everyone for their support in this channel. February is shaping up to be an incredible month. I have some incredible guests coming on. And if you looked at our Instagram page, Lactic Acid Podcast, be sure to follow that. Um, you know that it's a big time month because we are releasing episodes every week for the month of February only. And so you definitely will not want to miss any of the content that this channel is producing. We have a couple exclusive episodes that I know you guys are going to enjoy. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And so I, once again, I just want to thank you guys for the support. This episode is one that was awesome to record. I had the four-time Olympian. She was the flag bearer at the uh, closing ceremonies at this past Olympic Games. Ms. Kara Winger, she joined the show. And you're going to love this episode. We talked about the javelin. We talked about fishing. We talked about... Uh, my hatred for ice cream cones. <laughs> we went in detail on that incredible moment and we just had a great time and I know you guys are going to love it and enjoy it. But I need you to do me a favor. I already told you to follow the Instagram page, but follow the Twitter page, Lactic Acid underscore pod. We are on TikTok. Do I know what I'm doing? Absolutely not, but I still want you to check it out at Lactic Acid Podcast with Dominique Smith. I hope you guys subscribe to Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts. Those are the places where you can find the audible recording for this podcast and every podcast episode. If you subscribe, you will get notified every time a new episode drops. And for this month, you definitely want to subscribe. And we are on YouTube as well, Lactic Acid with Dominic Smith. We're doing big things and I can't do it without your support. If you are interested in sponsoring the show, becoming a sponsor, working with me, shoot me an email at lacticacidpodcast at gmail.com. I would love to bring your brand to our Lactic Acid family and promote that brand. God bless you guys and I hope you enjoy the episode. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, saints and angst, and welcome to Lactic Acid, the podcast where the takes are fresh, the ideas are right, and that makes us the best in the bunch. I am your host, Dominique Smith, and today I am super, super, super pumped to bring to you one of the world's greatest javelin throwers, one of the world's greatest people. Obviously, it's our first time interacting, but I followed her for a while, and she brings joy to everyone she comes across and she probably throws objects faster than you can run and farther than you can run. That is for sure. She is Ms. Karen Winger. What's going on? I appreciate you coming on the show. 
Hello, I'm wonderful. Um, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. A oh. fresh take is always a good thing. So I've been in the game a long time and I'm really looking forward to this new spin on a podcast. Hey, that's what we're about here. Fresh takes, ripe ideas. I always sometimes I forget to <laughs> mention that, but hey, that's what the goal of the podcast is about. We don't like to do what everyone else does. We like to be different. And so here is a different question that I'm going to ask you that I'm I'm not sure if you've ever been asked, but I ask all the guests this question. If you had to pick a superhero to describe your game as a javelin thrower, who are you rolling, rolling with? Oh my gosh, I'm so not well versed in superheroes. Uh, we can adjust. We can adjust to what you are well versed in. So we can do a superhero, we can do a movie character, or a television character. Um, I'm going to say. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt, unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, uh, because I don't think I am that notoriously positive. However, I feel like the resilience is there and, uh, I try to come to stuff with an open mind. And, um, sometimes that means sort of like Kimmy Schmidt, like if I'm trapped in a bunker for a while, I'm going to approach something like with no knowledge about it and open to learning about that thing. So I just, I love that show A and B, try to try to have fresh perspective and move beyond like what I've experienced in the past, overcome stuff. Well, you resemble Kimmy Schmidt because you guys are the GOAT. Ellie Kemper is like, whether it's Aaron or Kimmy or I forgot the other characters you played. I think she played in... Was it Bridesmaids or something like that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. She, her characters are like, I don't know. They're spot on. So that is actually, I've seen, I haven't seen too many episodes. I've seen a few enough to understand uh, the reference and I am totally down with it. I appreciate you coming on the show. And so we're going to talk a little track and field, but there's some other topics we're going to get to that I'm super pumped about. Definitely excited to get a chance to know you more for our audience too, as well. But I have a special place for throwers in my heart. It is one of the most underrated, underappreciated, severely misrepresented arts in sports. It is far difficult. I threw the shot put in the discus. Mm-hmm. Javelin and Florida, um, until a couple years ago, they banned it because uh, somebody got hit. Right. The javelin community was very excited when Florida and Georgia like re-implemented the javelin in high school. And just covering high school track and field, like there's some talent in it, um, that event. And it's like, it's so difficult to do. There's so many nuances Mm -hmm. about it that people don't understand. Why did you choose that event? I really stumbled into the javelin. I tried like everything growing up, uh, every single sport team individual. I loved swimming. It was one of the hardest sports I've ever done still to this day. Uh, swimming has a place in my training and it's just as difficult as it ever was like in really hard sets in high school. So love swimming, loved the individual challenge of swimming, but then my freshman year of high school just didn't know what I was going to do in the spring. Like I had played softball, I tried track in eighth grade. I didn't love it. I didn't have javelin available to me in middle school, but I didn't really have any other options. So I was like, sure, let me go out for track again. After my geometry teacher was like, Kara, you should throw the javelin. And he was the the track coach. So I really had somebody, uh, his son was in my grade. So I, I knew him, like I knew this person who was my teacher, but also someone who'd paid attention to my life more than just in the classroom. So he knew what my talents were. Um, he knew that I could be good, but I was really just approaching it for something to do. Like I was, I was going to be bored in the spring without a sport to do. So I went out for it and it went really well. So it's the last sport I ever tried the exactly, like you said, the nuance of it is my favorite thing. There's always something to improve. Even when I've been coming back from injuries, uh, focusing on other technical aspects of a throw, just let you mentally be able to like get through something that's painful because there's so much to do. Um, and it can be as simple or complicated as you make it, but the fact that it can be complicated means you can focus on something else when one part of it isn't going very well. So I just always think you can, you can get something out of any practice and that's my favorite. So you, so the Javin life kind of showed you. It sure did. Yes. A hundred percent. For 20 years now. 
Hey, that's what's up. I think the craziest thing about it, and I, you know, fell victim to it, and I kind of had to look into it more. It's not, you know, it's people think it's like, oh, look at the flick of the wrist. It's like throwing a football. No, it's actually more so with your legs than it is <laughs> your arm. Um, what are and that's, some, like with my knee injuries? I apologize for interrupting you. Um, I've torn my ACL twice, and that's exactly like when people don't know about javelin. They're like, "How do you tear your ACL throwing the javelin two times?" I'm like, "If you watch it, I sprint and stop on that leg, and it moves the wrong way, and you're done." So, um, it's all about the legs. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, if you're a high schooler, middle schooler interested in throwing the javelin, don't skip leg day. No. Uh, no. <laughs> that's definitely, and it's one of the unique things. And there's so much science involved like i was not good at math but it's like the arm if i'm messing this up please correct me it's like the arm has to connect the energy to the leg and then there's a lot of hip movement because you have to have fluidity in your hips and everything it is i don't know it's so it was the more i know about it and the more i learn about it the more fun it is to watch Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'll be watching the TV and I don't know what I'm doing. And I like, oh, like somebody needs to do some hurdle drills. He looks a little stiff in that throw. Like I'm not an expert by any means, but it's it's actually, you know, kind of fun, you know, to me. For you, what is what's a a myth about the javelin that you would want debunked? Um, I mean, exactly what you said, that it's your arms rather than your legs, because that's not true whatsoever. It's an entire full body movement. But one of my favorite things, like when you're talking about the more, you know, the more fun it is to watch. One of my favorite things about really good coaches um, in all of the throws, like it's interesting when people think javelin is the outlier, like really it's hammer. That's the outlier. Oh my gosh. If you're a rotational shot putter, if you're a discus thrower, if you're a javelin thrower, you're doing really similar things like with your legs. It's just in a different direction, but there is a rotational component to the javelin. We're all getting power from the ground, from double support, like at the end of the throw and getting separation, um, chest and hips. Like that's what the throw is. And if you understand that as a rotational throws coach like you can be a really good javelin coach as well it's just about like controlling the implement in a little bit different way so that's a thing that I really want like coaches in the United States to understand to elevate the level of the javelin is that concepts in rotational throws can be applied really well to the javelin at the end of that runway do you do some of the same drills that the discus throws and the shot put now you know when I threw the shot put it was a glide but you know I did the full spin uh, with the discus, do you do some of the same drip? The hammer is a different beast that just gives, that just makes me nervous. Um, but you know, is that, like I said, do any, is there any crossover in the drills that you do to kind of work on the movement and getting power from the ground, as you said? Yes. Um, and you know, I never threw shot or disc, I a little bit of discus in middle school, but, um, when you mentioned the glide, actually, like that's probably a better application to the javelin, like the glide across the ring and then the turn of the foot in the middle. Like you're trying not to stomp your right foot down too far back in the ring so that you extend your base. Like you really want to keep your feet under you and turn through the ball slash javelin. So really similar stuff. I used to do ball throws that were very much like face the opposite direction and then throw up over the top like you would a shot put stand throw if you're a glider um but in a javelin way like up over the top rather than through on your neck so there's a lot of transferability and that's the myth i would like debunked that like throws coaches can't be javelin coaches because there's much similarity this is like christmas for me because no one ever (laughs) talks about the throws we all you know we talk about distance and the sprints and really we don't talk about field events like we should there's such a high degree of difficulty um to them but you've done a great job over the years you know bringing you know awareness to it by your consistency which has been incredibly impressive and how you've been able to overcome the different obstacles and challenges in your career have you considered coaching kind of um I would love to do camps. I don't necessarily want to do like full-time coaching. I coached a kid 
um, twice a week, all year last year. And that was like my most consistent gig as a coach. I've done like very much one-off like practices with people over the years, but this was like the most consistent over one year, unfortunately, because of COVID and the situation that he was in, we didn't get to compete that much, but the one competition, um, that he did went really well. So it was a really re rewarding experience. Um, I had a lot, a lot going on in 2021. So it was a lot for me, but I'm very happy like with the outcome. It just kind of reinforced the fact that I want to keep involved with it, but I have like some fun ideas for camps that involve javelin and the outdoors uh, more so than like just javelin. Like I, I think you have to take a step back and um, understand that you have to move your body in other ways too, to be a really good athlete. Uh, and talking about it, giving yourself time to like absorb lessons and then go back to a throw is really important too. So having space for that in a camp, I think would be really fun. I like that. I like that. That's enough of this track talk for now. Yes. Uh, I have one more question at some point in the episode, and that's just kind of referring to that incredible, the end of the Olympics. Uh, but I want to know about you outside of the track. And I think that's what the fans do as well. So what is it about you that makes you unique? What are some of the things you like, hobbies, all that stuff? Tell the people what they want to hear. So I've recently realized this, and this is a little bit vulnerable. Like I started therapy right before New Year's uh, to prepare for my last season and really like try to get everything out of it that I can. I also have this like full-time job now, and that's a little wild. So being exposed to like more kinds of people um, than I ever did just as an athlete has been really interesting. And uh, what I have realized about myself is that my true like luck in life, like privilege is that I haven't been hurt <laughs> in a way that makes me not vulnerable to like people. Like I enjoy sharing. I like to feel my feelings. I've never like had experiences thanks to like a lovely family um, a lot of lucky breaks and maybe some resilience. Like I've never felt like that was not okay to be vulnerable with people and share. And I think that based on what I've seen, that's what's different about me is I'm very open. Um, even with the hard stuff with kind of everyone that I meet and maybe that helps people learn about javelin from me, but hopefully about like resilience in all of its forms as well. It's, it seems like that's more of a life ordeal. Yeah. Uh, javelin literally comes and goes. Um, like I said, not even, you know, focusing on track, but you seem just, and this is from an outsider's point of view, that you're someone that people gravitate towards. I mean, I, I've seen it and it's not gravitate towards like, oh, you know, she's cool, but there's a genuineness about you that draws people that makes them want to be around you, you know, and it gives you kind of a platform, you know, to spread kindness and, uh, you know, spread cheer. You yeah. mentioned that, you know, you, you had therapy and, you know, without going into, you know, detail about that, but what is it that changed? And I'm talking specifically outside of the track. You, you mm -hmm. have an incredible reputation, you know, on the track and with your peers or, and everything, but what is it about you that you think changed in that process that, uh, I guess, you know, helps you to relate to, to people? Um, I think, like I said, like starting this full-time job, it was really challenging. So I mentioned that 2021, I had a lot going on. I was coaching, I was volunteering with USATF on the athlete advisory committee and the board. Um, I had the full-time job. I was recovering from my second ACL surgery. Um, and I mostly, I spend a lot of time by myself. My husband works like out of town a lot. So I'm trying to like take care of our dog, like while healing from surgery. And it was just a lot all at the same time. And like the hardest part was knowing how to be an athlete and even knowing how to recover from injury, also knowing how to coach, but I didn't know how to be an employee and like, mm kind of process like the not necessarily criticisms but self-criticism sometimes because it's just a whole new universe so the therapy thing was really about my last season and wanting to get absolutely everything out of it that I can like I want to take advantage of every opportunity my real goal is to just have a blast yeah. um 
But if I can like do that better with help from somebody, that would be great. So I think I really worked through a lot of like the insecurities about being an employee on my own, but it's really reinforcing the fact that I have done that. I've like put boundaries in place so that I can just be an employee and an athlete um, rather than all of those other things in this last year and really take advantage of those situations. So I don't know that I've changed. I think I've just uh, become aware of how to direct my energy. I like that. that. (laughs) And it's cool because it's like your identity is not solely in sport. Mm -hmm. Like you, you found purpose outside of sport. You know, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to when it's all said and done? Like, what are some of the different, have you found like an avenue or something that you you know, like, okay, I want to do this, you know, and help people in this way. And, you know, like I said, shift your energy to the next phase. So further foreshadowing that event at the end of the Olympics in Tokyo, um, I would love to speak more. I've really enjoyed like some of the, not necessarily motivational speeches, but that's kind of what they turn into. Um, I've been able to do a lot of that actually through the Olympic Training Center um, in Colorado Springs and in Chula Vista as well. Like I spoke to to people, I've I've had random opportunities over 13 years um, being a resident athlete at Olympic and Paralympic Training Centers. So I always really enjoy like catering the message to the group that I'm speaking to. Um, I've been to a couple different speaking conferences and it there's a little bit of imposter syndrome when you're not a medalist, right? But more people are not medalists than are medalists. And being aware of that, like through my experience in Tokyo and through all of the messages that I got from so many teammates who also didn't reach the podium makes me understand like how many people out there like can learn from my experience, but more so just the idea that doing your best is enough. And I would love to talk to more people about that. So um, I will keep working full time. I'm really excited about where I'm at in my job. Like it's, it's become a really fun place for me every day, especially working from home. Like I'm alone uh, when my husband's out of town, but I have like these work friends and it's a really good atmosphere now. Um, I also work for women athletes. Like we are a company that is focused solely on a community that I am a very passionate member of. So it's rewarding in that way too. Um, but I know that when I stop throwing, I will have a void in my life. Um, and only having one job will probably not be enough. So having this like speaking idea, um, is exciting to me, but I'm also very good at being a homebody. Um, I had COVID last week. I will tell, I will tell the audience that that happened. Um, very annoying being vaccinated and boosted and still getting it, but it's fine. I was mild, not a big deal. I'm back in the world, but I love being home with my dog. Like I do my workouts on my deck. I can, you know, fix up the backyard in an hour when I don't have anywhere to go. Like I, realized in the past week that I'm going to be fine as a retired person from sport, like doing my home workouts with my animal. Like I am going to really enjoy that forever. And when I'm done enjoying it, I'll find something new because I'm creative and I can fill my time. And I just, I know I'll be okay. Like having COVID really helped me understand that. It's like looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. Um, and to kind of, I'm, <laughs> I don't think people realize, and not to touch on this too much, but it is hard to do well in high school. It's even harder to do well in college. But to achieve the success that you have, like, forget the medals. Like, seriously, your impact is so much bigger than being on the medal stand. Is I think maybe it's a society issue. Like you're, you're. Everybody has to debate who is who's the goat. Uh, is it Tom Brady or is it this person? And or is it LeBron or is it MJ or is it Wayne Gretzky or is it Sidney Crosby or is it Messi Ronaldo? And the first thing is like, okay, how many championships do they have? 
And it's like, it doesn't, you know, you're, it's, it's different. Like, I don't know. And I think it's, I hate that kind of aspect of society. Like, Mm-hmm. and you didn't get to the metal stand you didn't have your career and it's like no you you're doing something that 99 percent of the human population can't even imagine doing which is such a remarkable you know accomplishment in itself i watched a javelin and it, i have to take a muscle relaxer because it like it's <laughs> <laughs> like i mean maybe having you know competed in the shot put and just understanding certain things but it's like man like the work that goes into that like mm-hmm. the yearly work i was like no nah, i'm not about that life you know yeah, for, 20, for 20 years for 20 years i'm 27 and so for you like to do that for two decades i mean you know like you are like the lactic acid hero of the year <laughs> thank you so I, I do think that's awesome. And it's so funny, like when you talk about working out at home, like if you're not comfortable in your own house, like where else can you be comfortable with? Yeah. So with your dog, what kind of dog do you have? She's a yellow lab. Her name is Maddie. Um, she's my favorite, favorite creature in the whole world. We looked into her, um, adopted her five years ago. She's seven. And I just am so proud of her. She came from a not great background and she has just flourished. um, And it makes me really proud to have provided a great atmosphere for her. She's wonderful. Gosh, especially if she's helping with workouts. I see, I saw this uh, Instagram video of like a dog. He was the spotter for someone doing crunches or whatever. Like these, so when it comes, yeah, when they put their paws on the knees and they're doing the crunches, yeah, and then you have to sit, you know, touch them, and then you know the bench press. You can, you know, it. I don't know. They make wonderful companions. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Definitely. One thing that I noticed that I think is really cool, being a Floridian, we have so many lakes and everything here. You know what you're doing when it comes to fishing. <laughs> So you, I don't even know. It looked like a shark. I it was saw, a shark. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So good. I, I know I'm not losing my mind. Please tell me about that. <laughs> you okay. caught a shark and it wasn't even on Shark Week. <laughs> I love Shark Week. I used to subscribe to Shark the Week. So it would download to my laptop when I was in Europe and I could have a taste of home. It's wonderful. Um, I am not well-versed in fishing. Russ Winger, the guy that I married, former shot putter and discus thrower, is a fly fishing guide and avid fisherman. Um, So he, angler, I believe is the word. Um, (laughs) We have fish in Florida. His uh, uncle lives in Sebastian, Florida on the Pacific Atlantic side, sorry, yeah. Um, But the shark, the nurse shark on my Instagram, He was in Belize. Um, We were out on a guided trip. These guys were wonderful. Um, I really enjoy, since he's a guide, like seeing guides do really good work and like paying them for that as you should. Um, We we tipped them like crazy. It was such a good experience on that trip as well. Um, The guide, he got in the water. His name is Jerry. And there are lobsters. There are spiny lobsters in Belize where we were on vacation beginning in December. Um, so he dives down, he has a spear gun and he's like looking for the lobsters in the coral. This guy's like almost 50, uh, such a good swimmer. Like we lost him so many times. We're in the water with him trying to keep up and just like watch what he's doing. Cause it's so cool to watch someone do what they're great at. Yeah. And we got to like carry the lobsters and the conch shells like back to the boat and then watch him like prepare conch ceviche like on this boat that's like being jostled in the water. And it was just so fun. But um, yeah, the shark was due to Jerry, that guide. But I have many other fish pictures on my Instagram that are all credit to Russ Winger, my husband, the guide um, in lots of different locations. It's I love spending time together outside. That's really the root of the fishing. So he catches uh, most of them, essentially? I catch them. He okay. he guides me, like he coaches me to, oh, how to do it. catching them. Yes. And it's actually very fun because he primarily works in the middle of Wyoming, like literally the middle of nowhere. There's no cell service. There's barely Wi-Fi at the house. Um, it's called the Miracle Mile, this gorgeous section of the North Platte River, 
middle of Wyoming. And when I'm in his boat, there are a lot of other guides around Mm -hmm. with other clients, like strangers, but I'm a woman in his boat. There aren't a lot of women on the river. And I consistently catch fish in front of all these other people. (laughs) I love it. No, it's kind of a performance art, um, but it's really just spending time together outside. It's my favorite. Have you considered catching a fish and then rowing the boat to the other guys and taking a selfie with the fish with them? (laughs) No. (laughs) That would be epic. They can see what's going on. Like you don't have to rub their faces in it because they oh. all, like their eyes are well trained to like see when the rod's bending. And even if you don't re- like react to a bite, um, everyone's aware that you've hooked into a fish. I love that. That is awesome. It's pretty funny. And we don't only fish outside. We backpack. We take the dog like right before my second ACL surgery. Um, we went just for a night um, with Maddie backpacking and yeah just being outside together is my favorite fishing is also really fun especially there in wyoming with russ He's what really is good. what's your favorite fish or the best fish um that you've caught that i've caught i caught my pr rainbow trout right before leaving for tokyo this past summer wow. on the miracle mile it's beautiful i can send you a picture if you want to post that with this podcast I listen, I promise you it will be one of the lead pictures if you send me that. I promise you. It may be the lead picture. Uh, because that is that is epic. That is awesome. It was really fun. Yeah. So you caught a shark, you caught a rainbow trout. People who work in restaurants can barely catch rainbow trout. There oh you- well, why would they? Unless they were interested in fishing. They just have them delivered. Um really funny story about my shark in Belize. Uh, My left shoulder is my surgical shoulder. I had it fixed in 2015, terrible, inconvenient injury, but that shark that I'm holding, I feel horrible about this because it's pretty classic me to like, we call it a fish flop. Like sometimes in the fishing world, it's hashtag fish flop Friday. When a client is like holding a fish and it flops out of their hands, it's like just a comedy thing i dropped the shark in the boat and we throw him back like we don't keep the shark um so they're so strong and so amazing and like it's a nurse shark like his skin feels so cool and just different than you would ever expect like it's not sandpaper it's like pebbles like the rubber balls when you're little that have all the different sides that aren't actually round bouncy balls like that's what this nurse shark feels like and so I'm holding him for the picture. I dropped him. I don't know if it was like me trying to catch him or like wrangle him in the bottom of the boat to get him back in the water, but my left shoulder has hurt ever since. Oh, I have a shark shoulder. It's not that bad. Like it's not that abnormal for this shoulder, but like it was pretty instantaneous and a hilarious injury. It's my shark shoulder. You can call that a battle wound. Yeah. Like that is, that's a sports injury. That's, that's ESPN plays, you know, fishing instead of track and field. Okay. So we're going to call that a sports injury. Okay. You're just in the line of battle. That's a shark shoulder. That's just. And I told my strength coach about it. And so at least once a week, he goes, how's your shark shoulder doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't fathom catching a shark. That is epic. Like the reaction, the the reflex to try and like, grab him out of the air i must have been it too fast twitch i didn't warm up enough no gotta warm up gotta stretch do calisthenics gotta do all that crank those push-ups out Mm -hmm. that's that's the shark shoulder that's a sports injury that's a sports injury what is it about the outdoors that you love so much well in colorado specifically uh sunshine it's amazing i grew up in washington so it rained a lot and i really love really love Colorado. I think I've decided that I'm a mountain person rather than a water person. Like I love me a beach vacation, but in terms of every day, like I, I stare at that front range on our walks with Maddie, like every day. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, 
Russ really did that for me. Like I grew up in a family that liked outside and we would go camping and that's fine. But one of my weird quirks is I hate dew, Dominique. Really? Like the morning dew? Yes. I hate it. (laughs) Really? I hate it so much because camping in Washington, you wake up and it's just covering the tent. You can't touch the sides of the tent or you will be covered in dew and like wet before you put your clothes on. The sleeping bag will get drips on it. Like dew is the worst and I can't stand it. And when Rust wanted to take me camping in Colorado, I was like, ugh, I really like this guy. I guess I'll get dew on myself <laughs> to spend time with him. <laughs> oh, okay. And then there's no dew because it's very dry and gorgeous. And I love being outside in Colorado. That is like a Floridian. You can't tell dew from humidity. (laughs) 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 I I get up and I, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, look at the weather. It's 82 with the feel like temperature 91 and I'm sweating and stuff. And it's just like, oh, is that dew? Is that fog? It's like, no, that's humidity. (laughs) It's is well now that you explain it I mean it's just the clouds amongst us yeah and I guess there really isn't a difference I'm not a humidity person is really what it is because that's what do is is the condensation of the air um and yeah it would either rain or the tent would be covered in dew because it wanted to rain in Washington and I still love Washington but I love being outside in Colorado but yeah, I really liked Russ. He really likes outside. Um, I grew up being outside, but hadn't been exposed to like the more, I guess, epic ways that he spends his time outdoors. I haven't been to like a hunting base camp yet. Like I'm not ready for that. Um, I will be just to spend time there, like to camp, not necessarily to hunt. Um, but I do love the way that he honors the animals with all of the meat and like literally every part of the animal that he can make use of. It's really amazing. Um, but backpacking and, you know, one of our first really big backpacks, it was a 10 mile one way to a high mountain lake, um, for a couple days. And the, this lake is just notoriously clear. Um, we just like play cards and hang out and, Awesome. Be outside and be together and have no screens. And it's just really the best. I love it. You know, it's so fun. I, I went, I've been to Colorado once. Yeah. Uh, senior ski trip. We went to Breckenridge and Ooh. it was in March. It was beautiful. Like, I don't, I, there's nothing. I'm born and raised here in Florida. So, you know, people are like, I love the outdoors. It's beautiful i'm like so you must live where you know it's just sunshine and fruity pebbles and you know all that goodness <laughs> um, yeah. because you know i can't breathe in the summer <laughs> and everything because i told so- you i can't do humidity i can't do it i don't know how you it's amazing it's Literally. it's difficult uh it's something you get used to like christmas day it was like 85 degrees or something like that <laughs> uh but now like it's supposed to be like 29 in Orlando, <laughs> like this weekend. And everybody's like, like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, like I was telling you before, like all my Northern friends and friends in Colorado, it's like, it's negative 19. Like that is shirt and shorts weather. Um, well, I mean, but just I don't, statement, but yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Exactly. You see, they need to listen to you. <laughs> Outside, I went, I went on my first hike in Eugene uh, at the Prefontaine Classic and there's, it's so beautiful. Like, I think if you lived on the West Coast, especially in Colorado, just the mountain view, just you can go see the mountains. And like, I've never been there in the summer, but just seeing the snow, uh, you know, on the mountaintops and everything, it's like living in a snow globe in Narnia, essentially. Yeah, I, it's very cool. Yeah. And it. when we got engaged, um, Russ took me backpacking in Washington. So I put up with some dew. Um, it was actually like not that terrible because turns out that good gear also matters. So I can explore more of the world and be comfortable. And that's cool. Um, but yeah, backpacking in Olympic National Park and exactly like 
it was very special to me that he like took me to my home state and we had this experience and then he proposed like in the middle of nowhere like in the national park and just us like just quiet um bears right there incredible so i just more people should be outside yeah i don't know about that those bears (laughs) (laughs) how did the two of you meet um, through throwing, we were on the 2006 NACAC under 23 championship team together. Um, we drunkenly made out on the beach. I love it. Love at first sight. Like, I mean, maybe not first sight, but like, it was very clear, very quickly that he was my person for sure. You hate beaches and you went on the beach. So, you know, it was, it was <laughs> I did not hate beaches. <laughs> you prefer the mountains yeah. than the water. I so. love a beach vacation. And it was like this epic trip. So Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, oh. um, bunch of under 23-year-olds, but like 20 and 21-year-olds, college students, um, just some of the most fun throwers that a lot of people that continued into the professional ranks. So Michelle Carter was on that team and like, she and I have been on three of the same Olympic teams. Like we were both American record holders for a long time. Now I am no longer. Um, she's just, I've grown up in the sport with Michelle and she was there to see Russ and I like meet for the first time. I was terrible at that meet. Like I performed awfully, um, rested well. Like all of the men were one and two at the meet. Uh, my maid of honor and his best man were both on that team, Brittany Henry and Adam Keel. And it was just such a good group of people. I think that was like part of the introduction going so well with Russ, but, um, really fun fact, nine years later, uh, in our first year of marriage, 2015, we both went to senior NACAC championships in Costa Rica. Um, we got to be roommates because we were married and we both won. And that was like what put him on the world championship team that we finally made together. Um, but it was just so cool because it was like another Latin country. Um such a fun experience uh to be there together and they loved that we had met at the the junior version and that we were there together as seniors i was gonna say this is such a hallmark movie but that is something for like lifetime <laughs> and everything <laughs> with the alcohol and the beach that's awesome see that's the beautiful thing <laughs> yes. about throws it, it just it unifies the world the best people in the world throw i mean there's no debate about it yeah Mm-hmm. Serious topic. Serious, serious topic. Got to talk ice cream. Mm. We both love cold snow. Indeed. What is it about that goodness? For me, it's the fact that, you know, they, they scoop it out and I'm like a kid at Christmas or like, you know, watching fried chicken come out of the fryer until the little grease drop thing. <laughs> and they're taking the ice cream and they're like flipping it like a burger and everything. And it's like custom made. I tried to do that at home. Don't do that at your house. There's a reason. It's like a sandwich. Like if someone else makes it for you, it's better. It's exactly the same thing. I'm out here using spatulas with Publix ice cream, trying to flip it and all that (laughs) stuff. And it's just (laughs) all over the kitchen sink. What is it about Cold Stone that is near and dear to your heart and soul? I think it's a consistency thing, excuse me. And I don't mean like the consistency of the ice cream. I mean, I know it's a chain. I know it's like, it's not homemade or whatever, but it's the same everywhere I go. It's a comfort that I know I'm going to Cold Stone. They're going to make birthday cake remix specifically for me. Like you said, it's a custom I'm taking care of. Just you're doing exactly what I said. I'm watching it happen. The anticipation of seeing it on the cold slab, the stone, and then in the cup. Usually they're going to go from like it to love it. Yes. And that's a great thing for a thrower. So it's definitely a treat. Um, I really, yeah. If Cold Stone could sponsor Kara and I, I would really appreciate it. It's her last season. She deserves the best. And, you know, I just want free ice cream on the show. Um, we could, yeah, we'll do reviews of each of the 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 specialty um, mixes, recipes. Yes, and then we can crank it out. We can like talk it through, like Ben and Jerry, mm-hmm. 
in our custom all like custom made ice cream that could you know be sold like a yes. thrower's what is like rapper's delight uh thrower's delight yeah What's yeah the- cornerstone for me is definitely it's a treat it's not an all the time thing um i like it so much better like i'm not a huge store-bought ice cream bring it home dryers kind of situation fan russ is like he loves ice cream but i would much rather like get in my car drive to cold stone get it or like i did when i had covid order it via uber eats and pay a lot more money than it should be worth um to get it delivered to my house because i want to feel that comfort that custom yes. comfort <laughs> it's like uh it's like christmas in a cup so good. A, uh, are you a cone or a cup person? Cup, definitely. My girl, right there. <laughs> I, I hate ice cream. Cones. <laughs> it's such I, a I, I hate you. You hate ice cream cones. <laughs> I, I hate ice cream cones like you hate dew. Like <laughs> literally, honestly, waffle cones. Let's get rid of waffle cones and honeydew because they remind us of the things that we hate. Yeah. I I don't know. You can't get goodness in a cone. Like it, it's like there's, there's not enough sugar in the cone to make it worth your time. So why are you eating it? Why? It disrupts the texture mm-hmm. of the ice cream. Mm-hmm. And it's sharp. Be- I have sensitive gums and Thank stuff. Yep. I don't want to be stabbed in the mouth. Yeah, you know, it's not like the dentist is cheap. You know, and I'm I'm not a fan of going to the dentist because it's very painful. And so to put myself through that pain is something that I want to enjoy. It was it's right. don't eat it every day. It is a treat, as you said, it's comfort food. So why would I want to insert violence into the ice cream community? <laughs> right. I will put up with a brain freeze. I don't want to be stabbed in the roof of my mouth. Exactly. And I don't understand why more people are not bringing awareness to this. I am anti-cone. The, the <laughs> cone, we got to get rid of that. We got to get rid of that. I really feel like this is going to affect your chance at a Cold Stone sponsorship. Like you might have to represent the entire <laughs> organization. <laughs> but, but you see, I'm not, see, Cold Stone, I'm not talking about the ice cream. Because y'all, you do something unique, something that is fresh, that no other people do. I am talking about the people who have made you all use this cone instead of the <laughs> And so my pitch to them is let people enjoy the flavor mm-hmm. of the ice cream by getting do rid what of what you do well, yes. Or do, do what or what they've done, crack that cone open and put it on the side of the cup. Like a chip, like a cone chip. Okay, I'm on board with that. Yes. It would break so fast, like you would, it would not hold up to the ice cream. Well, here's the thing. That's the good thing about it because the cone will get soggy enough to where it doesn't crunch your teeth. And you know how sometimes you have ice cream that kind of pours to the side? Mm -hmm. It is like the wall that prevents it from spilling over. So like- The sponge for ice cream? Or like, or like, you know, like a taco bowl, but with a cone. Yes. Okay. Yes. So before <laughs> I really mess up my chances for a sponsorship, if I have <laughs> we still love you, Cold Stone. I still love you. Yeah. What is the go-to flavor? For Birthday you? cake remix, like only. Yeah. That's the only thing I've eaten for like at least eight years. I've never had that before. <gasps> you must. You see, I- and sprinkles. Um, and hold on, take- hold on. I did. I did. I think I have a picture of it. I did this summer. <laughs> That's how much you enjoyed it. Yes, yeah. I think I took a selfie with it. Um, so good. It was because usually I do the cookies and cream mm. or, or basic just due to vanilla. But um, yes, I did have that. And I was astonished at how good it was. Um, the problem with Cold Stone is it has a quick shelf life. Um, but man, that was that was incredible. It, it was. Um, and they were selling out of it like it was. An, I'm just thankful that I was one of the fortunate participants in such greatness. And then I went out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. uh, to do that. 
So before I stop the show so I can go get ice cream, even though I think they're kind of closed now, I'm going to ask you this question, then we're going to wrap this up with a bow uh, with some rapid fire. The, one of, there were so many great moments in the Olympics, but for me personally, one of the best moments was to see you get rewarded uh, for your hard work and, like I said, your genuineness to your teammates across um, USA track and field and getting a chance to carry the flag at the closing ceremonies. It was like the coolest thing ever. Um, and I think it sent a powerful message. You know, we were talking about everybody's like, oh, you got to win medals to have an impact. No, you don't. Um, what you did will last longer than any medal that anyone could could win. What was that moment like for you and that opportunity like? I... Um... I will never have anything happen to me that's more meaningful than that. I, uh, to understand that all of team USA, like I've been a training center athlete for 13 years and I interact with Olympians, Paralympians, wrestlers, swimmers, um, Taekwondo athletes, uh, modern pentathletes, like gymnasts, every sport under the sun, like I have seen in an elevator or in sports med or whatever. And you just never know how much someone else is paying attention to your story. Like we all live in our own little bubbles. We're all like selfish human creatures. And some of the only reasons that I've like truly gotten what I consider to be everything out of each Olympic experience that I've had is by paying attention to other people's stories. So for people to see me in that way um, means more than I can ever imagine. Like I won't ever not cry about it because uh, I am so proud of getting there to Tokyo, but it wasn't the dream. Like I was 11 months post-op. Um, I had giant dreams and you know, my career had so much promise before I hurt my knee the first time. So there's always been this underlying unfulfilled potential, like deep ache in me. And to have so many people say you matter and your journey is also important and representative of this team is unbelievable. And just the kindest, most amazing thing I will ever experience. Um, it wasn't about like carrying the flag into the stadium. It was about like all of the messages that I got from teammates who also hadn't been on the podium. Like I mentioned that, that said like this vote, like this election means that my journey mattered too. So to, for 16 years, you know, of preparation for games, of participating in games, um, to have all of those former teammates, like, feel that way is so important to me. And to be that person that, like, represents that story for them um, is such a giant, giant, giant honor. Like, I can't even describe it. Um, I cried for days and days and days. Like, the first step of that being named uh, team captain of USATF was like mind blowing in itself. Like that was the first step. And that is the only reason that I was elected flag there um, because the diverse, amazing, incredible, talented women of track and field like chose me. That's wild and so cool. Um, and such a neat like vote of friendship. Like that's what it is. Like I've always loved being around those women and the fact that they felt the same way um is very humbling and cool i remember um seeing the tweet uh i forgot who the uh, person was but he told you that you were you know named a flag bearer and i'm like sitting in my room like crying and everything like why am i getting so emotional of this but it was just such a remarkable moment Mm -hmm. I followed the throws for years. Um, and obviously, like I said, I've, I've, the more, you know, about certain events, the more you want to watch it because the more entertaining it becomes the javelin was one of those events and you've represented, you know, team USA so well, uh, and have been such a great ambassador that it was great to see you get an opportunity to experience that well-deserved moment. And, uh, 
yeah, it's just something I definitely had to ask you about uh, because it, it was truly remarkable and yeah. uh, really, really, really happy for you. Thanks. But we have come to the end of the road and at well, what I do, there's a segment that it's so sad that this is my show that I forgot the segment, but it's called, <laughs> it is called Down the Home Stretch. Down mm. the Home Stretch. I am going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. I would like for you to answer them to the best of your ability. If you do not, it is no concern, no problem, because no one ever does. Are you ready? No one ever does. Okay, now well, let, me, let, me, let me say. Uh oh. Well, you're the first Olympian on this show, so <laughs> this is it's about to go down. I have to say, uh, say nobody. Two. I think two people did. Dana and someone else. But still, I'm excited for you to challenge that record. Are you ready? I'm ready. If you had to pick a food that you could live with and a food that you could do without, what would they be? I would live with pizza and without pickles. Okay. Favorite, uh, the last TV show that you've been watched? The Morning Show season two. I'm currently on Girls 5 Eva. Okay. Morning Show with Reese Witherspoon and... uh... Jennifer Aniston, yes. Uh, yeah. Season two was terrible. I really didn't like it. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, won't be watching that. Okay. What is your dream vacation spot? I love Belize. It's so fun. This is our second time there. If you had to be a guest on one show, what would it be? TV show or? TV, it could be anything. It could be a TV series. It could be anything. And I can make it, I can make the question more broad if that helps. No, no, I really want to be on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR. The NPR news quiz. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like okay. that. Mm-hmm. Best place to hike? The Crags Trail uh, on the backside of Pikes Peak, Colorado. It's where Maddie and I go a lot. We're going to go snowshoeing there soon. Snowshoeing. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the ideal season for you? August. <laughs> Do you know, okay. August. Interesting. So August slash September, um, but early September. Mm-hmm. September. Is it a weather thing or? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. Well, a couple more questions. If there was a trend that you wanted to get rid of, what would it be? And if there was a trend that you wanted to bring back, what would it be? I really don't like the current jeans situation. I'm not a fan. It doesn't work on my body. Never did, doesn't still. Um, The acid wash with the high waist and all that, it's not okay for me. Get rid of it. No more, thank you. What would I bring back? I'm not so good at the trends. Like I don't, mm, um, tear away pants, tear away sweatpants. <laughs> That's vintage. I like that. <laughs> just like the Indiana Hoosiers, just rip them yeah. off. <laughs> Convenient. Head to the throws pit. I had a pair of those in high school. Used to whip those bad boys off like I was good, and then would scratch on the next discus throw. I like that. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. If there was an event that you could compete in that you haven't, what would it be? Ooh. There used to be meets in Greece um, that like paid pretty well and were in gorgeous, gorgeous places. And then uh, they went bankrupt as a country and they never happened again. So I wish that I could go there and had gone there. Last question. Why is the Javelin the best event in track and field? Because it is a sprint, a jump and a throw in one movement. That is the fastest that anyone has ever answered the rapid fire questions. You are the winner. You are the GOAT, the G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. Thank you very much. No cap, debate your mama on that one. That is it. Tell the people where they can find you on social media, Kara. I am mostly at Kara Throws Jav. Uh, That's K-A-R-A, Throws Jav, J-A-V. Um, I believe it's a little bit different on Facebook, but if you search Kara Winger, you will find me. And I never post on my Facebook. My website is karawinger.com. 
and I will be posting a lot more there. I have a lot of updates to do and a really important blog to me um, to write very soon in the lead up to this season. So carawinger.com. Y'all be sure to follow her. This is her last season. It's going to be the best season. You definitely do not want to miss that greatness awaits. I appreciate you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the show for blessing the show with the Olympic presence. We're officially official now since we have the goat on the show you guys do me a favor thank you for your support but i need you to go to the lactic acid podcast on instagram lactic acid underscore pod on twitter go ahead and follow that i'm on tiktok lactic acid podcast i don't know what i'm doing but go ahead and you know follow that uh what else am i on that i need you to follow yeah go to apple go to spotify go to google play type in lactic acid podcast with dominique smith subscribe so you can hear more great episodes like this one stay tuned to what we're doing lacticacidpodcast.org is the website where you can find everything that you need thank you guys so much and we will catch you next time